what up? It's the MBM Podcast. Uh, for those of you out there that are listeners to my show and uh, maybe also a listener of um, the Bubble of Love Fun show at one time or another, um, I kind of stole that from him, I'm not going to lie. Good old two live crew. You got to do some research on that. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining me on uh, this episode of the NBM Podcast. I am bringing this to you from the Team Tekken Studios. Of course, shout out to Team Tekken for... Uh, all the help that they give the podcast. Of course, thank you to Gone Banana Racing Skins and Rick Seffrood over there. Uh, him too. He uh, he definitely helps out the podcast a lot, uh, so we can't forget him. Uh, but yeah, just to... Uh, we're finally, I'm finally here, uh, I should say. And uh, I know for a lot of you guys, uh, it's been like, hey, where, where's all the shows? What's going on? And, you know, um, all that wonderful stuff. And it, it, it's been a little while. Truth be told, I sat down and I recorded a uh, show, would have been about uh, three weeks ago. And unfortunately, uh, I have made a few changes to my setup and some somehow or another, I'm not sure what's changed so drastically, um, but the audio was too hot coming out of the board and into my computer I used to record. And um, up until now, at least now I figured it out, but I wasn't able to monitor um, the actual audio levels coming into the computer from the board. Um, everything sounded great on the board. The board wasn't too hot, but the levels in the PC were too hot. So that's where we ended up with the problem. Um, unfortunately I didn't realize that until I was going to edit, uh, the podcast and to give, put it up and, uh, give it to you guys. And I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't put the show up. It was, uh, not acceptable. It was, Badly distorted uh, when I would talk um, loud, which is how I normally talk. So I just couldn't put it up for you guys. So the good news is I was able to talk to the guest that we had on. Uh, He's coming back again tonight to uh, do another episode. This time, hopefully, we don't make a mess of it and everything's good. Everything looks great right now, to be quite honest with you. I'm very happy about that. So that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. A little update on Mike. Mike has uh, ventured on and become what... So many of us want to do is in uh, in life is be our own boss. He started his own business, so he's extremely busy with, busy with getting that off the ground. Um, so when he does have time, he will be here for episodes. Uh, but when he's not available, then I'm going to be doing them on my own, which is a bit of an adventure for me. Uh, it, it's it's definitely different because I haven't done anything like this before by myself. Uh, I've always had somebody there to bounce things off of and, and talk to people. So. It's going to be an adventure. It's going to be a learning curve. I'm going to have to rely on myself to to keep the show mo- moving. I can't just kind of pass the buck off to somebody else and let them talk um, and fill the gap. So I'm going to try as often as I can to give you guys episodes. Of course, I want to bring you one at least one a month, if not uh, one every two weeks. Um, so we're going to try and get back into the groove of that. I got some updates about what I've been doing with my uh, upcoming indoor racing season program. Um, and a few other things. So I guess that's kind of where I'll start off on this episode is just to let you guys know what I've been up to. Uh, so the last time we had a show, which, uh, I believe would have been before the spring fling, spring fling at the end of April. Um, I've went to that race. I had a great time. I managed to qualify for the a main with my stadium truck, uh, which was my third race with that truck. So I was very happy considering the field is pretty stacked. Um, there was enough for an A and a B main. So I'm not just jinxing you guys out saying, Hey, I made the A main, but there was only, uh, there was enough for, uh, an A and a B main. Um, so <clears throat> it was, uh, it, it was good. I, I was, uh, 
I was definitely there with the 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 guys that made it into the bottom part of the A main. I was on the same uh, lap pace with them and and everything like that. Uh, so I was very very happy to make the A main. I know I mentioned on the TSR show about uh, marshalling. Um, you know you can't get mad at marshals because you're in the position you're in because you crashed, not because they crashed you. Uh, but where I was upset with Marshalls was that the race wasn't over. I managed to get by the line before the buzzer, before the ra- race timer ended. So I was the only truck on a, a final lap. And unfortunately, um, the, 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 the Marshall walked away from his spot and I crashed, which again was my fault, but he was so far away from where he should have been standing. Uh, that unfortunately I sat for a little while and I ended up losing a position, but the good news is I still made the A main. Uh, I probably would be talking about it completely differently if I hadn't made the A main, uh, knowing that that, you know, that particular thing actually lost me a spot because I was, um, the leader of that, uh, a qualifier, if you want to call it that or, or whatever. I kind of hate saying that because we all know in IFMAR qualifying, there's really no leader. You're all out there in your own time. But I had the, the fastest pace, the most laps for uh, for that particular thing. And just with the time frame, it dropped me down enough that I didn't wasn't quick enough, I guess. <clears throat> I'd have to look at it again. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was that race. I had a great time. Casey put on a great race. You know, we had thrown around the idea if we could raise some money, Casey would shave his beard. Uh, we managed to raise more than enough money. He shaved his beard, and then he had said, if you guys can raise $500, i will shave my head too. Uh, and we managed to raise the 500 and off went all, all of his facial hair except for his mustache. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Casey looked a little awkward for the first uh, little bit, uh, but I was down visiting him not too, too long ago, and um, yeah, he looked a lot m- more normal at that point. <laughs> so, uh Shout out to Casey. Thank you, Casey, for putting on those races, for having the EUPRC uh, club down there and doing what you do to give guys like me somewhere to go and race in the winter and, and run my cars uh, that I spend so much money on and so much time preparing to to race uh, down there. So very much so appreciated, uh, more than you know. Um, like I said, I was down actually visiting Casey there a couple of weeks back, and I managed to bring home with me a Traxxas DTS-1 uh, timing system. I've yet to use it. Uh, because I need to get my, uh, like I could use it the way it stands, uh, with no times, but I want the time. So I need to get my hands on one of the Traxxas TQI, uh, remotes that has the Bluetooth module built in. I've been looking on eBay and stuff like that. They're going for about 20 bucks on eBay used. So I'm probably going to pick one up here, hopefully in the next week or two. So I can take that thing out, get it all set up, uh, run a couple passes with one of my cars, um, and just see what kind of time I can put down. Um, Speaking of cars, a little bit of update. I have moved on. The B5M is no longer uh, mine. Uh, It's moved on to a new home. It has a new owner who's very happy to have it. And uh, I'm actually currently waiting on my Yokomo uh, YZ2 uh, DTM edition. I'm super excited to have a new car. I did a lot of thinking, a lot of talking to people uh, to make my decision for this upcoming year. Um, And I'm hoping that the Yokomo is the the next step for me and suits my driving from my understanding. It will uh, probably be as close to um, what the way I drive. So suiting that driving style, which I can't even really describe my driving style to you guys. Um, Hmm. Uh, A complete and utter mess. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But uh, yeah, so I got a Yokomo YZ2 coming. Um, I have been working on a little project for the uh, T5M. Uh, which will kind of make it a modified T5M with a laydown transmission in it. 
Uh, shout out to, to Jim uh, Tollard for the ideas and the help uh, for starting that project. I need to get my hands on a drill press because I have two holes that I need to put in the chassis that I want drilled perfectly flat, uh, perfectly even, and in the proper place. So that'll be coming happening here soon so I can continue to work on that project. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what's going on in my cars. I think I'm going to keep the 443 for this coming season. Unless things change, unless something happens, I would love to get a B64 um, and run it as my four-wheel drive platform. Um, yeah, that's right, guys. I'm going everywhere with my platforms this year. I don't know for sure if it'll be B64 or my, I might look at the X-Ray four-wheel drive buggies. I've heard really good things about them. Um, and I know what you guys are saying. Oh, it's the same as the B64. Okay, whatever. But I, I've been looking at them, uh, but I can't confirm or say that I'm going to be moving to one for this upcoming year or not. Um, far as I know right now, it's going to be a Yokomo associated associated kind of deal i'm looking at putting ceramic bearings so i'm looking at for you guys to give me maybe some tips um or maybe some suggestions on what to do um about a bearing situation in the t5m unfortunately my driving still has a bit of way to come and i have blown out bearings twice now on it i'm hopeful that the reason why i've blown out bearings is just because they're just the stock ones um and because the car the truck is wider it's a little harder on them um, so I'm looking for your guys' suggestions. I've been looking at the, the shell racing, uh, ceramic bearing kit, uh, for T5M, uh, for the axle area. So I'm thinking about doing that. Uh, hopefully that'll clean up that issue. Um, uh, the other big, big thing I'm doing this year is stock racing. I know how much I've, you know, whined and complained and said, I'll never do it. I don't like it. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to, uh, get a couple of motors tuned by rotor on a 17.5 and a 13.5 and my buggy uh, two-wheel drive will be 17.5 my four-wheel will be 13.5 the only mod vehicle i'm going to run is my stadium truck which again it's only going to be a 13.5 in there with some timing in it it's not going to be anything crazy because that's what i was running in it and it was super fast so um i'm kind of excited to do that send some motors to rotor on get them tuned get them in i've uh, been talking with matt hawkinson a lot um Hopefully we'll have some bodies this year coming up by him for the racing season. Um, hopefully I fall in love with them enough that I keep them maybe for more than one racing season who you never know. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what's going on with my, uh, upcoming year so far. The off season has been good for me. Um, I don't do a whole lot of RC stuff in the off season. I've been working on stuff more than anything, uh, working on giveaways, rotor on, and I keep saying on, I'm noticing it. Sorry guys. Rotoron was awesome enough to come on board and do a giveaway with the MBM podcast. We, uh, we managed to pick two winners. Um, and that was, um, I'm killing myself here. I need a drink. Hang on a minute. Ah, so much better. <laughs> so last night I went on and I picked two winners with the help of the little spin wheel situation. We had about 103 entries and, um, yeah, I was pretty excited. It's always fun to do a giveaway and have that many entries. So it was, uh, it spun out and we had James C that won a free dino tune from Rotoron and as well, Kyle Predmore. So congratulations to you guys for winning the, the tunes. I hope they come in handy for you and you have a, a much better racing season from them. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's that giveaway next coming up uh is 950 like giveaway on the nbm podcast page 
when we hit 950 likes, I believe Rick wants to give away some foam tires and a t-shirt. So we'll have more details about that giveaway coming up. And of course, I need to talk about the thousand like giveaway. I know a lot of you guys seen the uh, video post that I put up on the page. Um, But this thing's going to be huge. Um, Just to give you an idea, Axial has helped out with sending a radio and a light kit for the truck. Uh, a listener of the podcast has sent a winch and a controller kit for it. Tekin is sending us a motor and ESC. MKS has hooked us up with a servo. Max Amps is sending us, uh, shouldn't say that, they're sending the winner a battery. Cow RC is going to send the winner a battery. Uh, or not a battery. Cow RC is going to be sending the winner uh, some magnet pit mat accessories which is awesome. So thanks to Heath for coming on board. Um, what else am I missing here? Matt Hawkinson, <laughs> he's going to do a paint job for the body for, for it. I'm just, I'm at a loss for words at the involvement from so many RC people and companies um, to get on board with it. I'm so grateful. Couldn't imagine being able to give something like this away to one of you guys. And it's, it's going to be a blast. The post is going to be up hopefully by next week, the end of next week. I'll have both the 950 like and the thousand like posts up. So make sure you guys check them out. Make sure you guys share them like crazy. If you share them once a day, that'd be great. Share them in all the Facebook groups that you can share them in. Um, and of course, make sure you follow the instructions to get yourself an entry and an opportunity to win the, um, the SCX 10 two kit. Uh, that's kind of the NBM podcast as part of the giveaway is we've, we've given the kit to the podcast. I should say I've given the kit to the podcast cause I was lucky enough to win it through a raffle thing. Um, so I just, like I said, I went through a whole bunch of ideas of what could I, what could I do with it? Uh, I should build it, keep it. I'll have another crawler. Uh, originally I got rid of my first SCX 10 because I wanted an SCX 10 two kit and things just didn't come to fruition. I didn't get there. I didn't end up wanting to, I haven't really had the itch to crawl in a long time. So when I started building it, I kind of had that idea. Let's give it away, but let's make it an awesome giveaway. So I'm kind of excited that somebody's going to get this thing. It's going to be fully RTR. It's going to be awesome, completely awesome. Um, so that's about what all I've got going on at the moment. I'm trying to think if really there was anything else. I don't really think so, to be honest with you folks. I really don't. Um, I'm definitely going to be trying my hat in the drag racing scene. Uh, I hope to be getting uh, Roy Anderson spec car. I'm going to say soonish, shortlyish. Hopefully, in the very near future, I've got a few things, uh, items that I need to move out of the the home to bring in a little bit of uh, extra fundages to do it. So I'm hopeful that that'll happen in the next couple of weeks and hopefully maybe come the first or second week of July, right before my birthday, I have boom, a spec car sitting in front of me and that'll be fun. I'm kind of really excited to do that and see what kind of numbers I can put down all the way up here in Canada, see how different it is. But, uh, I think that's about it. You know, I got a couple of topics there. I'm going to talk with uh, Eric from Viking Design Works. He's going to be our guest tonight. I got a couple of talk- topics that's happened over the last few weeks in RC that I want to talk to him about So and see what his opinion is on some of it. So what we're going to do at this point, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get Eric on and, uh, 
yeah thanks for like i said thanks for tuning in we'll be right back after this break gone banana racing skins foam tires for any application from speed run custom builds 10th scale 8th scale x max drag racing you name it rick will wrap it if you have something in mind reach out to him on facebook at gone banana racing skins and have a chat with him about your project that you have in mind rick is a great guy with a great business and he's willing to help you get the foam tires that you need in order to make your race program the best that it can be that's why at gone banana racing skins they strive to give the best to their customers that they can gone banana racing skins doing custom foam tires that others just won't do. Okay, it's the MBM podcast, and uh, we are back from our short little break. Sure. I have on with me Eric from Viking Design Works. So, welcome to the show, sure. Eric. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you uh, having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. The good news is everybody already knows that I screwed up the first one, and I'm re-recording it because I talked about that in the first little part before I got you on. Um, so, oh, okay. so, so we don't have to hide it. <laughs> <laughs> or avoid it in any way, shape, or form. I screwed up, and Eric was kind enough to come back for a second go at it, and we'll see. I was super nervous, too, so now I won't be so nervous. Yeah, you, and you know, you're not the first person to say that they were nervous being on the show, but <laughs> the, the reality is is this. You just got to remember that I, I'm just an average Joe RC guy. Uh, I'm that guy at the track that might come and pick your brain knowing that you were the guy behind Viking Design Works and ask you a bunch of stupid questions. And the only difference is we're recording it. Like, if we were doing this live, I really understand the nervous thing. You got to think of how I feel when I sit down here sometimes. Like, when I got to make, like, a little commercial or something like that. Like, oh, my. I will sit here, man, in front of this microphone and in front of the computer for two hours saying the same thing over and over and over again. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and it's just like, man, is this what people go through, like, when they do voiceover work? Like, did, did, <laughs> you know, like. Wow. Yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I'm I'm a little. Uh, I enjoy it. That's all I'm gonna say. I do enjoy it. So, don't don't yeah. make don't make me make you believe that I don't like it. I love it. To be quite honest. Yeah. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> so, for those of you out there that don't know, uh, Eric is the guy behind Viking Design Works, and for some of you guys that are TLR fans, there might be a reason why Viking design work sounds very familiar. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it. Um, because back when the, uh, the 22 first came out and, you know, high bite racing was super popular. Guys wanted an option or, you know, associated had the three gear transmission set up, um, for the B5M, I believe MIP actually even came out with the transmission before Associated did, but it was expensive because it was all machined aluminum and it was all fancy dancy and everything like that. So, um, Eric is the guy who started experimenting and, and actually ended up making a 3d printed three gear transmission kit for the TLR 1.0. So before we talk about that though, Eric, why 3d printing? 
like what what made you want to start making do just that like 3d printing in general never mind in rc but in any for anything sure yeah um i've been kind of involved with 3d printing for quite a while um I was first introduced to it back in high school. I had an internship at Fisher Price, and uh, they had a few machines there, and that was my first glimpse into 3D printing. Um, I just thought it was absolutely mind-blowing that you could, you know... They had an SLA machine, which stands for uh, stereolithography, but basically the way it works, it's a resin bath with um, UV light that hits the bath and it hardens into layers, and they made us a little chess piece that actually is sitting in my living room right now. I'm looking right at it. I still have it. And it just, it just blew me away, you know? And, uh, you know, after school, after college, my first big job, um, we had a 3d printing, basically a studio set up where, uh, we did a lot of prototyping and painting and, uh, 3d printing for, uh, I guess just demonstration and, and uh, um, talking through design. So we had this whole studio set up and the same thing. It was like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, we have all this technology and it was hmm. pretty well. That was back in uh, 2004, 2005. So um, current role, I'm a, I'm a tool designer now by day. Um, and I use a lot of uh, 3D printing at work to make tooling and uh, prove out ideas and whatnot. So um, 3D printing to me, I think, is the wave of the future. Um, you know, in our logo, it says uh, additive RC manufacturing or manufacturing. I'm sorry. So, you know, as opposed to subtractive manufacturing, which is your traditional machining, subtracting away metal. Um, where additive machining is you're adding material to make something and create something. So um, I, I think 3D printing is just absolutely interesting. I, I learn things new about it every day. And the technology is just getting pushed every day, and um, there'll be a time where you know almost anything's possible. So I just really get a kick out of the technology. All right, right on. Well, it only makes sense, especially I totally get at a young age doing something or seeing something that kind of catches you. Um, and then, it, you know what I mean? And then that's what you kind of wrap yourself around. Um, yeah. I've always been like that as a kid. You know, I, I jump from one thing to another a lot. But when I would get involved with something, no matter what it was, like I was involved in it. You know, when it was, you know, building my bicycle to as much as I would have loved to, but to just ride it on downhill courses as opposed to participate, you know, I did that to my full extent to my ability that I could, uh, okay. which wasn't exactly great, um, but it was something I enjoyed. Um, yeah. And then of course, as getting into adult RCs turned into that for me. Right. So not yeah. only, you know, building the kits, racing them, working on them, talking to people, giving advice and doing the show, it's kind of, once you kind of get the bug of something, right, you kind of get caught up in it. And it's kind of cool that you're able to do it uh, as your regular employment too. So you're kind of getting to have the benefit of doing something you like doing for your living, as well as being able to contribute to the RC hobby, which is, of course, really 
like being somebody that contributes a little bit to the RC hobby and gives people something to listen to while they're wrenching or, you know, while they're at a race or driving to the race, right? You know, you're exactly. making products for them. It, it, like we have that similarity of, you know, we are kind of involved in it and it, it's kind of cool to be able to give something, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's so nice to be a part of a hobby that I'm super passionate about. And I know you are too, where you could give back and, you know, help make, make people's lives easier or, you know, have a, in my case, you know, I have products available to, to make the fellow racer that much more competitive or make their lives easier working on stuff. And, um, you know, it's just, it's nice to be, uh, you know, people come up to me and they're, you know, super, super stoked on what I do. And it's just, I'm like, kind of just blown away. You know what I mean? It's just, I, I it's just a win-win all the time. Like, I love this. I love, I love that I can do it and have the capacity to do it. And then, um, I love that people love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure. So that brings me into the next thing is, so what brought you to do Viking design works? Like where, where did that whole concept and idea come from? Sure. Um, you know, with the printing technology now becoming somewhat more affordable for, uh, the home use, you know, I decided it'd be kind of a cool idea to get my own printer and my own scanner and get set up kind of, uh, at home. And just doing, you know, little side projects here and there and tinkering around and and whatnot. And at this point, I had really no correlation with thinking about doing anything for RC. It was just RC with my hobby. And I was just like, well, maybe I'll just tinker around at home and print off stuff for people. And basically, Viking started in his infancy um, just to be a 3D printing resource in my area. Um there really isn't, well, at the time, I'm sure now there is, but um, 3D printing was kind of new in our area from a public eye, I guess. Mm-hmm. There was a few universities that have it around here and at the time, and I wanted to be able to, like, if, if a mom-and-pop shop or a student had a 3D printing um, idea, they could come to me and I could provide them the the infrastructure for printing. Um, so I did that for a little bit, and you know I did a little bit of design work too for some people on the side, um, and it was fun. But I kind of realized then that I it was more like it felt like work, and it didn't really feel creative. If right. that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 So I was just kind of doing what people wanted, but it really wasn't creative on my end. You know what I mean? It was it was their idea, and I was basically championing their idea into what they wanted. Um, where I kind of wanted to be more like, hey, I could make this really cool, I don't know, cell phone case. And um, I don't know, put someone's logo on it or put my own logo. I don't know. Just It was more customer-based and not very creative on my end. So it kind of got, what's the word, kind of stale kind of quick from that business idea. Right. Make sense? 
Yeah, so no, it makes that's sense. Kinda, <laughs> that's kind of how it all started, um, to answer your question. Okay. Um, yeah. So what 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 drew you to RC before that? Like what why did why did RC become a hobby for you? Cuz obviously you've been doing it for a while. It's not something you kind of found and then all of a sudden started doing 3D printing for it. It was something you did before the 3D printing stuff. So what what right. why, why RC? Like I I know for me it was a magazine at Walmart, you know, I I picked up an RC driver and funny enough on the the cover of it was uh one of the uh, like Miss Budweiser like hydroplane boats. Oh yeah, like that's that's how vivid this memory is. And I grabbed it and I kind of flipped through the pages, standing there, and I turned to my wife and said, "I'm going to buy this." And you know, going reading through the, the the book, you know, I found out about the Savage X by HPI, and I was like, "Oh man, I got to have this!" Like, this is something that I need to have. And it was one of those situations where my daughter was still really young and wasn't really exactly quite affordable. So it didn't happen, but I kept getting the magazines to kind of drive that, that want for them. Um, and then all of a sudden my chum calls me one day. He goes, dude, have you seen these nitro powered RC cars? And I started laughing. He's like, what's so funny? I'm like, dude, you need to come to my house and see like the 15 magazines I have about this stuff. And, and, and that was it from that point on him and I, we started doing it. And that's normally my co-host Mike that's, that's on the show with me. Um, that's how our, journey started and it was only now i would say it was probably about eight years ago that wow. that it started um maybe 10 years if you count since when i started buying magazines before i got my own yeah you know what i mean so like what you was your what's your story <laughs> you definitely remember going to the store and like seeing the magazine and then that's what did it huh oh dude like it is a vivid memory in my mind walking into walmart my wife was looking in the makeup aisle and at our Walmart, the makeup aisle and the magazines are like right across from each other. So I wandered over to the magazine rack and I started looking and sure enough, the, the, that, that bright red hydroplane boat caught my eye on the cover of it. Isn't it cool how life works out sometimes where it's just like those weird moments that you, you, you walked into Walmart that day and you're just like your whole like life hobby changed from then on. You know what I mean? It's like, I like that. That's a cool story. Well, because, and I'll be honest with you, prior to it, I really didn't have something I could call my hobby. You know what I mean? Like, I had things that I did, but nothing that I would really classify as a hobby. You know what I mean? Okay. So, that that really kicked it off for me. That's, that's yeah, like I said, it's I it. <laughs> a vital turning point in where yeah. I sit now. <laughs> Eight years later, right? Yeah. Here we are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So awesome. what did it for you? What, what was that moment? Well, for me, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of a long story, but it's I'll try to make it short. Um, when I was a kid, growing up in the neighborhood, you know, um, my neighbor—I think I was probably, I'd say, six or seven at the time. My neighbor next door had a Tamiya Blackfoot, and he, I remember looking out the window, and he was—I was like, "What is that noise?" Because, you know, it was the old brush, I'm like, the brushless motor, and <clears throat> I look out the window, and I see him playing with the controller, and I'm like, what is he doing? And I look down, and I see the Blackfoot drive by, and I, like, ran outside, and I'm like, what is this? You know, and he's like, oh, it's a RC monster truck, don't touch it. I'm like, okay, you know, and I just sat there watching him, fascinated, like, this is the coolest thing. And I'm like, you're controlling that with your hands, like it kind of blew me away at the time, you know, and, uh, 
Um, there was, uh, uh, so my, you know, my, my parents went to Radio Shack and bought me, like, there was, like, a ripoff of the Blackfoot out at the time. I don't remember the name. It was, like, an F-150 monster truck. I don't remember the, maybe someone out there would remember it. But I remember I broke it right away, and I just ended up using it as, like, a big Hot Wheels. <laughs> but I loved it way. Like, I think the batteries died, and I remember it would, it would take, like, 10C batteries or something like that. And I think we just got sick of buying batteries, so we, I just ended up using it as, like, a toy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, like, I think, like, in the next year from either birthday or Christmas time, my parents bought me, like, the Racer, like, Radio Shack. And there's another, here's another model. It would, when you turn the wheels left, there was, like, a driver's head, like a helmet inside of the buggy. It was a buggy. I distinctly remember it. I don't remember the name of it. But when you turn left, the driver's head would turn left. And when you turn right, the driver's head would turn right. <laughs> All right, right on. And it was, I don't, if anyone remembers the name of it, let me know. Um... It'd be cool to like get one again. I don't. It, but like it was so fast. It was such a fast RC car. I remember that the batteries would go through in like four minutes, and I swear we thought it was broken. Like we're like we can't. It can't be out of batteries in four minutes. But I guess at the time, like that was the technology. It would take like it would take like an hour and a half or two hours to charge, and then it would die out in like four minutes. And I remember we took back like three or four kits to radio shack. Like, <laughs> this thing's defective. Like it's not, but looking back, like, I guess it was okay. Like, <laughs> so that was another memory I had. Um, I, um, and then I remember, uh, my dad, we were going to go to this local racetrack called, uh, transit lanes. And, uh, the week, I think we went there the week, before it closed and checked out the track. They had an indoor carpet track. Um, and then they had a track in the back of the place that was like an outdoor oval track. And then inside the oval was an, uh, like an off-road track. And like, I think we went back like a week or two later and it was closed and I was super bummed out. And, um, I remember going home and, uh, building a track, like out of dead, uh, trees, like tree limbs and stuff, and like make a mess of the backyard. And um, I'm like, well, someday I'll have an RC car again and make a track. And but that, you know, that I, RC kind of took a back seat after that because I kind of got into like skateboarding and BMX and whatnot. And um, and then girls, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, girls, <laughs> cars, real into cars, yeah. Uh, and uh, flash forward now to 2010 time frame, and uh, my coworker Justin, who I race with now, he was wearing a Glenwood RC shirt, and I'm like RC. I'm like, you race RC cars? He's like, yeah, man, absolutely. I'm like, around here? He's like, yeah, right down like where we. I mean, I'm from Buffalo. If anyone, if anyone was curious. So, like, a, a town or two over, there's a track, and I distinctly remember, this is kind of my, like, Walmart magazine moment, was, like, right after work, I drove to the track, 
and it was an off day. It was like a practice day. And I remember walking through the doors of the track. Like there was a hobby shop in the front. Walking into the track, and I'm like, this is it. Like, I finally found a place that I can race RC cars. And, like, after that, I was there, like, every day after work, like, you know, racing, practicing, tinkering, learning how to drive, you know. And Glenwood RC was a big help uh, when I first started racing, for sure. Unfortunately, the, the track closed down a year or two after, but like that was kind of like my magazine moment right there was walking into the track and being like, finally I can, you know, I can try this. So that was, that was pretty cool. And so that's kind of how, and then ever since then I've been, you know, racing and, uh, traveling around the Northeast and, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it and the the long and short of it. (laughs) Right on. You know, I should say like, my first exposure to RC wasn't the RC driver, but that's what's done it for me as an adult. I've always kind of had RCs, and I can remember two. Two that stick out in my entire like childhood. One was a Frito-Lay uh, NASCAR like car, and it took like one of those like six uh, round cell like NIM packs that you plugged into the wall that took like a full day to charge. That must have been what that 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 buggy was. I think must have been something like that. Yeah, it took like an absurd amount of long time. Well, yeah, yeah, and it, it only lasted like five, six minutes at best. Yeah, yeah. And were like, weren't you pissed off about it? Like, well, like, I was really young. Like, I want to say I was like five or six when my mom would have had that for me. But it, it sticks out of my mind so much because of how realistic it was in the sense like it had rubber tires on it. And I remember the biggest thing that sticks out to me that I remember about it is I hated it because it had a pistol grip remote. You hated it because it had a pistol grip remote? Yeah, because I wanted the sticks. I wanted to be able to push up and back and left and right on the... That's what I wanted. And, no way. Yeah, right? Um, the other one that really sticks out for me, it was an indie car, Valvoline, uh, the oil company. It was a Valvoline yeah. indie car, and it had a glove that you put on, and you would put your fist like forward and that would make it go forward. You'd put your fist, like pull it back towards you and that would stop it. And then if you, you kind of move to the left or the right, that's what would steer it left and right. Really? Yeah. That one, I kind of wish I still had kicking around just because of how unique it was because you know, that's, I was maybe eight or nine, maybe 10. So we're talking yeah. about like 23 years ago that a, a, an RC car was being controlled by a pedometer inside of a glove wow. right like that's power glove for nintendo you remember that yes yes it was very much similar i wanted a power glove for the nintendo so bad i couldn't i can't even describe how badly i wanted one <laughs> my neighbor had one and i my my hand couldn't fit in it because i was like big for i don't know i just it he had one and it was cool to watch me use it but a i didn't want to break it and <laughs> b didn't fit right for me but that's cool though that they had that technology for RC back then. Like, I wonder, I wonder how that'd be now. Like, can you imagine, like, on a driver's stand, like, people <laughs> looking like they're like doing like the Macarena or something like that? <laughs> yeah that that would be that would be funny to see a bunch of guys up there wearing gloves on their hands instead. Yeah, just dr- like pretend driving <laughs> like a steering wheel. <laughs> but those are the two RCs, like as a child, that I could really remember. Um, 
my dad was a big motorcycle guy. He still is a big motorcycle guy. So I grew up a lot okay. more like riding dirt bikes and being around motorcycles more than anything. So it wasn't something that he he really liked. So, and I liked it, but not enough to really for that. So, you know what I mean? It was one of those things that I just, yeah. being older now kind of makes more sense why I had an interest in them because now with what I do, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting. We both have a parallel like path of, youth experience with rc but you know there was a little bit of a break in there too oh yeah yeah for me it was like i said the the for the longest time as a teenager it was bicycles and uh you know i became a father when i was 20 so you know so there was there was a whole time frame where i was 19 getting ready to be a dad and it was just kind of like okay i can't afford to buy the car that i really wanted and do the things that i really want to do it but this one's going to make a good car to get me from point a to point b and get my daughter there safely so this is the one i'm going with oh that's the way you should have that's great that's good that you thought like that well Hey, I'm not going to lie. It was like a Mazda 323 two-door hatchback, but yeah, it was my car. I loved it. little 1.6 yeah. liter, no power steering, five-speed yeah. manual. It only had a, a mirror on the driver's side and a rear view mirror. Yeah. There's no mirror on the passenger side. I actually had one of those, but it was the uh, rare GTX oh. all-wheel turbo version. Oh. But uh, it was rotted out like like I only had it for a couple months. It was, it was rotted. Yeah. Road. <laughs> that that's Those the are... only, that's the only problem with them is is they they were very susceptible if they weren't well taken care of for rot, uh, especially in and around the the back control arm uh, that's on the body. And well, yep. I ended up selling the car to a chum of mine after I had like our family had outgrown it and I'd gotten a four door vehicle. Yeah. And I think he he hit a pothole and completely ripped the, the mount right out of the floor. Wow. Yeah, so it was one of those ones like, ah. yeah. glad it was yeah, you, not me, buddy. <laughs> I remember we brought we brought the car home, and we were using it as like a rallycross car. We weren't really, but I remember us jacking the car for the first time to take the wheels off, and the car was still on the ground, and the seat was going up, and I'm like, uh, oh. Oh, no. I'm like, this went good. <laughs> Like, oh boy. I'm like, I, ah, oh, jeez. We messed this one up. Yeah, I, I still tell my wife that if the right car in the right condition come up for sale to be prepared for me to sell everything and anything I own to buy it. Yeah. Because that, w- that was what I wanted. I wanted the, the, the GTX. I wanted the turbo. I wanted the all wheel drive version. And, it was just, yeah, I was obsessed. And like, like I said, my that that was like my first real long-term car that I had. Like I had a Plymouth Sundance prior to that, but I only drove it for three months before I wrote it off. Okay. Plus the transmission was going on it. So it was, I don't really classify that as my first car because I've never really, I, well, to me, I classify a vehicle, your vehicle, when you kind of finally... When, you, when it's yours, you know what I mean? I don't want to say it, but when you like fall in love with it, when it becomes, that's your car, you know what I mean? Like that's how I classify ownership of the vehicle. So if I never really quote unquote fell in love with it, then yeah. it, it was just a vehicle to me. Yeah. So the yeah, ma- my, yeah. only I only had it for a couple of weeks. It was the Grand Dam and I didn't really like it, but 
it was a car that I, I could go to school in and have my first taste of independence. And it was a, it was my first car, but I'd never say it's my first car. So I, 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 I can uh, uh, agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about because I got a couple other things I want to talk about that's been going on in the RC realm the last couple of weeks um yeah. which i wanted to kind of discuss with you about but let's before we get there let's talk about the three gear transmission kit that you did for the the 22 1.0 and 2.0 the 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 mid-motor kit here let's let's talk a little bit sure. about it yeah so like you like you said before uh i might had the uh three gear kit out of aluminum for the b5m i think what was that 2000 only like two two years ago <clears throat> um, Probably about three. That, yeah, yeah. Both shortly that. after that, uh, AE came out with the, the B5M Lite. Yeah, you remember? Yeah, that came with the three gear for club racing. But as you remember too, like everyone started using that three gear because at that time, you know, the track that the, the tracks traction was coming up, and people wanted a little bit more of an edge for you know how the the effects of a three gear versus a four gear, you know, gives you a little bit less squat and more centered weight. You know what I mean? So that was kind of the hot ticket then. But in parallel to that, TLR didn't have an option for three gear for the 2.0 and the Mm. 2.0 are out at the time. Yeah. Um, So people on the Facebook group, uh, 22 empire, um, which I followed because I was I'm primarily a low C guy. Um, they were like, you know, is anyone working on a, or is, you know, is Frank Root working on a three gear? Anyone, can anyone do it? You know, like, is there any companies doing it? And then um, I was like, yeah, I wonder if anyone's working on one. That'd be kind of cool. And then like one day I woke up and, I was like, well, wait a minute. Well, maybe I could do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so I posted up. I vaguely remember posting up, and it's actually in the blog on our website. There's a screen cap where I wrote like, hey, guys, like I'm thinking about designing the three gear. It should be like it was like a Friday night, like after work. I'm like, well, maybe this would be a cool little weekend project, you know, and and ended up taking like two weeks of me like full time after work to like one or two in the morning, like working on it. And I loved working on it because it was just such a creative, like we talked before, like Viking, Viking before I kind of got burned out on it because it was other people's projects, other people's ideas. And this was finally like an idea where I'm like, I could get behind and be passionate about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just remember we're basically reverse engineering with calipers and I just tore apart my 2.0 and measured everything up and, you know, put it into CAD and kind of figured it out, so to speak. And then, um, I kept updating the, the thread on 22 empire with what I was learning and what I was finding out. And, you know, I never really, I just kind of did it as a challenge at the time. Like I just kind of wanted to do it cause it was fun. And, you know, the farther along I got working on it, the more people were interested. And um, finally, after two weeks, I had, like, a working prototype 
Um, and I was like, well, it's time to take this thing to the track and see if it'll actually <laughs> like work. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm like, well, if I get one lap out of this thing, I'm like, that's a win. <laughs> so I pack all my stuff up, grab my gear, head up to my local track, which is uh, R&L Hobbies in uh, North Tonawanda, New York. A little plug for them. Um, <clears throat> so we head up there, and it's like a practice night, and no one really knew what I was doing, but, like, so I, like, hacked up a 22-4 body to, like, fit the thing, and it was, like, real haggard looking and you know, I throw it out on the, on the, on the, you know, I'm like, guys, check this out. And they're like, what is this thing? So, you know, I get, I, I throw it down, go up in the driver's stand, do a lap. I'm like, wow, it actually worked. I'm like, well, let's try another lap, you know, and I'm checking the temperatures, making sure nothing's cracked or anything like that. And, um, we ended up running like five battery packs that night and it was just, I felt so elated and just happy that it actually, like, I worked so hard on it for, like, those last two weeks, and then, like, it worked, and it was just, I mean, it wasn't the final final product, but, like, it worked. Yeah, it the, just, the concept really did work. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, holy cow, I'm like, this is pretty cool, and I, you know, I shared it with the guys on 22 Empire and Girls, and um, people are like, take my money this is sick like where do i get one like and i was like wait you guys you guys want the one i'm like I, i'm like i guess i'm like okay and like you know and then that's kind of where the transition time between biking being a resource for printing to a actual niche rc business kind of switched over and uh i was like well maybe you know this is what i'm marrying my hobby with something I'm passionate about into one thing. And it's been, it's been great ever since, you know? So that's kind of the story behind the three gear, um, and how that came to be. Well, and, and it's funny because beforehand, and for those of you guys that don't know, the part of the reason why I'm having Eric on, um, for some of you that pay attention and have been following the podcast for a while is that Eric was, um, like has his products, some of his products with a main and just out of the blue, a main sent me a little care package. And in that care package was one of Eric's products, which is the little differential service station, um, which I haven't even mentioned yet, but if you don't have, or haven't heard of this, you need to go and get one. Um, it makes servicing your diffs like the best thing in the world. And when you're not servicing diffs, it holds your cell phone, like a champ too. So it's, it's very versatile. It's really cool. Um, but that's what kind of brought me to Viking design works. And I had put a little video up and somebody had sent it to Eric or mentioned to Eric that, Hey, this dude is talking about your service station, uh, deal. And, you know, Eric sent the, the Facebook page a message and it was really kind of cool to, to, to hear from the owner of a company of a product that I had talked about. Cause I do it all the time. And a lot of times, you don't really hear anything back. Right. And it was really nifty to get feedback back from, from you on it. So that's part of what drove me towards this interview with Eric. And that was a while ago and it's taken a little while to get Eric on, but that's, that's the main driving force. So like I was saying, if you haven't seen it, 
Make sure you go, you can get them at a main, you can get them right from Viking design works as well. Um, it's vikingdesignworks.com slash speed shop. You'll find the products that Eric does offer under there, but yeah, you can't beat this differential service station. It'll do gear diffs, ball diffs. It'll hold the balls for you. It'll hold the screws that hold things together. It it's, it's awesome. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, I appreciate the kind words. That's very nice of you to say about the product. And, uh, yeah, I was just, I was blown away that you, you know, on my end, it's just cool to see other people enjoy what I do. You know what I mean? It's, um, so that's why I wanted to reach out to you and say thanks for the, you know, the little plug and the kind words. And I just over the moon that you like it and other people out there like them too. So I just, I love it. I love that everyone likes it. So, (laughs) yeah, like I said, it's awesome. Holding your phone, like, for, for some people that have watched like the live feeds that I've done when I've been building cars and stuff like that, I have the phone sitting in it on its side facing me so I can kind of monitor the live stream and see any questions that anybody asks because just the way I broadcast with my laptop, I don't... It, I, I really wish Facebook would do something about it, but when you're streaming from a PC to your Facebook page, it's really different compared to when you just click go live on your phone. So, but yeah, that's like I said, if you guys haven't seen them before, go check them out. Um, of course the, the lay down, the three gear kit is still there. So if you're one of these old school guys, maybe have like an old 1.0 or 2.0 laying around, you don't race a whole lot and you kind of want to make it better for the style of racing. Now I would suggest maybe checking one of those out, putting one of those on your car before you go out and get the 4.0. I'm not saying the 4.0 is not a great car because from everything I understand, they are great cars. But if you want a, a little more cost-effective option to uh, to get back into racing before you decide to drop the big bucks, it, it's available yeah. too. Yeah, the other uh, product we offer too is uh, the lateral bagger kits. Um, a lot for the a lot of guys like to use those too instead of upgrading to the 3.0 or 4.0. It, it basically allows the shorty in a 22 uh, to be basically turn 90 degrees so that it's um you know the style of a 3.0 or a 4.0 yeah and kind of the way like a associated had it in the b5m and stuff like that which which is completely crazy you know tlr comes out with the 1.0 the b5m comes out and you know guys are hacking up the b5m internal chassis pieces in order to inline mount a battery <laughs> and then you guys yeah. you got the guys with the tlr that have that option right out of the box that are hacking up theirs to load Vice it in versa. yeah <laughs> so, yeah it's pretty wild isn't it yeah, yeah i i thought uh i got a good kick out of that when when you step back and you look at what everybody's doing to their cars to make it there um it is kind of funny what's really interesting yeah. I, i'm kind of curious though how do the front shock towers hold up um good the uh, the FST DF has been a pretty popular seller. That's the just it just stands for front shock tower DF for downforce, right? I mean, um, it's got an integrated wing built into it. Um, it's made out of a, a proprietary nylon material, so it's very durable. It flexes a little bit. Um, it's not as stiff as say your ABS or you know whatever TLR uses for their stock piece, right? However, it is very stout. Um, I actually got an email once from a guy who ran his his buggy on a eight scale track, and he was out there practicing. And like an eight scale, he said, like hit him in the air, and he 
just went off and barrel rolled the thing like off like a 30 foot jump or something. And <laughs> he thought for sure it was done. And, um, he went over there and sure enough, it was, it was still intact. So, um, there's been a few at, at first that broke. Um, but the last year and a half, I haven't had any issues and no complaints or no emails or anything like that. So, um, pretty durable for sure. Right on. Well, yeah, because that's always, I know some people always say, you know, oh, you can't trust 3D printed parts. They're not there yet. But, you know, obviously if, if people are using them and not having failures, because you'd be the first guy to obviously hear about if there were failures. So <laughs> Exactly. Yes, yeah, I know a lot of the early wing mounts on the front that some people were making or whatever. Um, they're made out of like a not as robust of a material as the nylon that I use. Right. Uh, so I, I wouldn't have put that out if I didn't feel comfortable with how stout the design was. Um, just based on the fact that I didn't want a bad reputation and my name's on it. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I stand behind it and I, you know, it's, durable it was tested and um they're they're great people really like them yeah yeah for sure well i don't i don't blame them obviously um it is pretty nifty so are there any future plans to develop any new uh products for some of the newer buggies like for the 4.0 or like the 22 t 3.0 or maybe you know, maybe some associated vehicles or Yokomo or X-Ray, whatever the case may be. Is like, are there any plans to try and make some universal stuff that that might work on a couple of different platforms? Or yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of looking right now into the new Loki stuff. Um, a few opportunities there. Um, definitely like the B6, B64. I have a few ideas for some uh, pretty innovative stuff. Um, even some eight scale stuff. I've been playing around with a little bit too. Right on. Uh, I did a little bit with the D216, as you may have, may or may not know. Yeah, I see that. Uh, a front wing for that, just because there wasn't one on the market. And I wanted something kind of quick and easy that people with the D216 could use as a tuning option um, without like a big, you know, Lexan wing sticking out the front, because it's kind of a weird shock tower package. Yeah. Uh, so I came out with that, and then the adjustable battery brakes as well. Um, but. I think that car is kind of slowly dying out, unfortunately. It's such a great car. I love it. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm working on a few new things. We've been kind of quiet lately. Um, new tools, too, especially. I've got two or three ideas I'm working on right now in parallel that'll be kind of... I want them to be really cool, like the diff station. Like, I don't want to make something that's not cool i guess you know what i mean like right. the wow it's like the the sophomore album you know you always want the soft the, the next album to be just as good as the first album <laughs> so yeah we got some stuff coming out for um probably the the, the 4.0 low c will you'll see um some 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 new stuff probably towards the end of summer um and then the tools will probably be out before that Right on, right on. Yeah. So I have a suggestion as one of those projects for you to work on. Okay. And I'm willing to 
give you measurements and high definition f- f- pictures. Okay. Of the of the shock tower for my new Yokomo YZ2 <laughs> that I ordered. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, because where where we race, uh, the track requires uh, shock tower covers. Uh, okay. because, because we race on carpet, and the reality is right. with these buggies, when they get upside down, they tend to rip, grip into the carpet and rip. Um, okay. So it's kind of a thought, you know what I mean? Like I, I can send you, what I'd love to do is I'd love to send you pictures of my 44.3 uh, because it's a real nasty bugger when it gets upside down to, likes to cut up uh, carpets. Um, and like I said, I just ordered a Yokomo YZ2 that hopefully will be here this week. Uh, maybe I'll send you some, you let me know what you need to kind of work with to, to try and design a prototype with. And, and, um, I, I honestly, if you can come up with a good product for a couple of different, like for a TLR, uh, for an associated, you know what I mean? They will, they will Perfect move car. for yeah. sure. Yeah. That we could definitely do that for sure. Right on. Yeah. Cause I've heard that before. Like, you know, I don't really raise carpet that often, but I hear that they're, you know, if you flip the car, the, the the shock towers and the the shock nuts can be pretty detrimental to the to the surface for sure. Yeah, the B5M wasn't bad because the B5M had a plastic shock tower, okay. um, and it had the shocks mounted on the back of the tower as opposed to the front. So there wasn't a whole lot there to to catch the carpet. But like a four four three, for instance, it's a carbon fiber shock tower, and that's kind of where we've been really really seeing the sudden increase in it happening. Um, yeah. and as well as on the TLR vehicles, the shocks are in front of the shock tower. Yep. So there's been that issue with anything that's right there or the front, right? That's, that's kind of, it happens. So yeah. I, I totally get the tracks doing it. You know, a lot of guys have been cutting up pop bottles, putting a couple holes through it, zip tying things down, but I'm the kind of guy that I want something that looks like it fits or looks like it belongs. Yeah. You know, so I would love to, yeah. I would love I'm to work with, with you on something like yeah. that. Cause I know you're the design guy on it. But I have ideas. Yeah. I just don't know how to yeah, get them down on thing. I'm sure we could come up with a real elegant solution for sure. Something that looks kind of trick and, uh, you know, like it's supposed to be there kind of a thing. Yeah, sweet. And just won't tell anybody about it until October when I show up to the race and be like, yeah, that's right. These things are awesome. <laughs> you can go here Hard and get time. them. <laughs> That'd be right, awesome. Right on. Right on. So, okay. Do you do a lot of uh, carpet racing mostly? Or? That's all I do. Uh, I, I uh, Where I'm located, there, unfortunately now, there has been some conversation about the local club that I used to be part of um, getting an opportunity to have a tennis court converted into an outdoor track. Um, I, my understanding is the idea would be to still roll out the carpet and the wood jumps and kind of do the same thing we were doing indoors, just in the summer outdoors. So... If I go and race with those guys, it'll be the same thing I'm used to. It'll be carpet. Um, but there's no outdoor track remotely close to me to race on. Um, and there's really no summer programs anywhere remotely close to me for me to race my car. So my main concentration has been on indoor carpet. So I pretty much, I've been to Iowa, Wisconsin, um, down to the lower part of Michigan. Um, where the heck was it? Ithaca, Michigan to, to race on carpet. Um, and St. Ignace is where I normally end up, which is about a 45 minute to an hour long drive from where I live. Okay. That's and, cool. and it's mostly, like I said, it's winter because <laughs> what happens is they use gyms of schools and stuff like that. It's, it's not something that gets done a lot in the summer and yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, 
I wish I could do more. I've been practicing on VRC as much as I can uh, to tr- just keep the the rhythm and the feel there for it. Um, Get your trigger finger uh, exercised a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Try and work a little bit on the hand-eye coordination. I think that's that's the big thing, right? So. Yeah. Plus, it's way cheaper. It doesn't cost me a ton of money in tires, fuel, uh, travel, <laughs> broken parts, because I'm still learning how to drive. You know, <laughs> VRC is great for those things. Yeah, you can send it right into the wall. No big deal. Exactly. Yeah. I want to try and cl- clear that huge jump in the back. Let me, let, me, let me try that out. Oh, it didn't work? Shucks. My car is still fine. Cool. Great. Keep running. <laughs> that is a really cool tool that they have, for sure. It is, you know, I would, I would definitely like to maybe look at getting the subscription to it so I could really, uh, try some of the more advanced features that it offers to members. Uh, but I'm pretty happy with it in its free form. Like I ordered the little USB adapter that you plug in and hook a receiver into so I can use my radio on that. And other than, other than configuring the radio, like, uh, like calibrating the radio to the computer to work right. Like it's, it's fairly straightforward. It works pretty good. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to pick it up for sure. Yeah. I've tried it before at races. Like, you know, some guys will bring it to the races when there's downtime and whatnot. And I've messed around with it here and there. And it's, it seems pretty realistic uh, for the most part, you know. And it's got to be quite a handy tool for sure. Yeah. Like I said, it's I, I find it really awesome. Um, but actually, I, I want to ask your opinion on something. It, it happened recently, um, and I don't know if you heard about it or not, but there was a little bit of a dust-up between uh, Spencer Rivkin and Harley Yoshi uh, at a, one of the races recently where Spencer got in. So I'm just kind of, I want to know your opinion based on the way that the race sh- shaked out. And if you don't know how the race shaked out, basically Harley read or led a majority of the race um, and coming into the final lap, there was some contact be- between uh, Spencer, who was right behind Harley, and it caused them both to come in and come off the track. But when Spencer came back onto the track, he was just in front of Harley. Um, and according to the rules, you know, you're not supposed to gain positions when you come back onto the track. And if you do, you're supposed to kind of wait till that person that was in front of you is back in front of you and then kind of resume. So I'm just kind of curious as to what your opinion is. I don't know if there's been any official changes to the results yet or anything like that. I'm just kind of curious from your perspective, how do you, how do you view something like that when you hear about it? Cause obviously you've been in RC for long enough. You hear about these kind of things. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. Um, I heard a little bit about it. Um, I wasn't too, I think that just happened at the, uh, Tacoma race. Right? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. And I think Yoshi's one of the local guys, one of the local fast guys, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He was really quick, man. That's cool. I mean, if you can hang with, you know, the likes of Spencer and, and, uh, Cavallari, good for him. Like, that's awesome. Um, but I guess in my mind, like, you know, we talked about, um, Glenwood RC and, and where I started there and there right off the bat, they, they would teach you about, you know, the ethics of RC and the etiquette and, um, always giving back your position if you get tangled up and, you know, sometimes it's tough, you know, you're in the heat of a battle and you're inches off someone's bumper and you're both are going for like, let's say a bump spot or a trophy position or something like that. And I'm, I try to be very, um, polite and, um, respectful yeah. when I drive. Right. Where if I, if I hack somebody, I'll always give the position back or, and I've been yelled at a couple times where my friends will be like, dude, 
you were like way too polite. Like you let like half the field buy or something like that. Like for me, I always, <laughs> <laughs> for me, I always want to be courteous and, you know, you race these guys. I mean, it, it, it might be different for a pro level, you know, but for me where you're racing the same guys every week, week in, week out, you know, you don't want to cause bad blood. You know what I mean? And you don't want to look like someone that's going to cheat or hack or, I'm not saying one way or another that that's what they were doing, but I didn't really get a chance to watch it. I watched, I think it was the race two of the A-Main between Cavalieri and Yoshi, and that looked pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, it's it's, it's one of those things that I, I can't, I want to say it was Brent who went to Facebook and, and said that he'd be willing to um, ship the the trophy or whatever to Harley. Uh, because according to the rules, uh, Spencer was in the wrong by gaining a position by where he came back onto the track. Uh, it's not supposed to happen that way. I really wish I could find it. There was a whole post that, that whoever it was that, uh, you know what I mean, posted about the, the whole situation. I, I looked on uh, Live Time, which is beautiful about Live Time, is you can go to LiveRC.com and you can look up res- results from races like that and, the races, yeah. the results haven't been amended or changed in any way, so I don't know for sure what was ultimately done with it. Um, but yeah, I was like yeah. I said, I was just kind of curious as to that, and you know, like the conversation went on to say that it was contact in a race is a whole different conversation in itself. And I listen, I've said it before, and I'll say it again: contact is inevitable; it's going to happen. Um, right. You know, I'm kind of. I'm not convinced that contact always happens like on purpose. You know, like a lot of guys on the driver's stand will be, they'll come off the stand and be like, oh, that guy smashed into me on purpose. And, you know, I don't know if that's always the case. Um, one that actually, I don't know, have you been on live RC at all today? Uh, this morning I was, or at lunch I think I was at, on there, yeah. Oh, the one with the eight scale? Yeah, the eight scales at the, at the, at the last race there. Like, okay. There's a certain fine line where I draw it. Now, if I were the race director at that race, um, I'm going to say that I probably would have asked those two gentlemen to go home. Yeah. Okay. Just because they've got to remember who they're in front of, what they're doing, and... You know, when you look at things like NASCAR and you get two drivers, you get a little unruly with each other. You know, well, look look at earlier in this season in NASCAR where where Kyle Busch got into it with uh, with Logano, and you know after that, you know Kyle Busch was, as most people will say, uh, an ass about a lot of the the questions, the way he'd answer them. But he got his hand slapped pretty severely. I'm assuming by NASCAR to be like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, on a national stage like that, you know, you, you with anything, you know, it's you got to behave and you got to represent your sponsors well. And, um, yeah, Kyle, Kyle kind of threw a tamper tantrum. <laughs> well, and, and let's be honest though, those guys are racing for big, big dollars. You know, there's sponsorships that are online for stuff like that. And I, I get it in RC. Yes. Guys are sponsored. And, you know, some guys have contingencies based on, you know, when they're, that they make a little more if they finish here, there or anywhere. But we're, we're talking about the 40 plus guys here. You know, and I'm not saying that they're any less important than the the pros and stuff like that because these guys are fast and good and everything like that. But where I get oh, upset is that somebody actually got hit by a truggy and had his 
elbow dislocated from it. Yeah, that's pretty crazy for that to happen. Like, and I, I mean, that did happen on pit row and I mean, I don't, I don't, I never saw the video. I don't know the replay. I don't know if they were coming in way too hot and the guy didn't see him or how it shook out. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is a hobby and you got to keep it real and keep it fun. And if someone gets, you know, hurt to the point where you're dislo, like that's pretty bad in RC. If you're, you're going to the doctor and you're like, how did that happen? Well, I got hit by an RC car. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's pretty bad. Yeah. You got to so, call, you got to call him to work on Monday and say, yeah, I can't come in. My elbow got dislocated this weekend. And when your boss goes, how did that happen? Oh, well, an RC car hit me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you better get in, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, you know, so I don't know. I just, I think these two guys need to go back and reevaluate and, and listen, you know, I know there's guys that are listening to the show that say, Hey Matt, you're not exactly a saint. You're, you're absolutely right. I'm not a saint, but what I've never done is I've never hurt anybody with my RC car. I had one moment two over two years ago that, you know, I, I've moved forward from, I've learned a very valuable lesson and I'm hoping that these two guys, the Rappaport and Curran do learn from this experience that guys were playing with toys. <laughs> We're yeah. we're grown men and some in some cases grown women that are playing with toys. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I were they they were battling right because they were battling for position right there. Yeah, I don't really it it go it went on through the whole race around seven minutes through the race. Uh, I want to say it was uh, Rappaport went off the track, but managed to come back onto the track. Uh, like way further down in the track, but he waited for the group that he was with when he went off the track to come like get back to him. So I don't know if there was a huge issue there with some people. Um, some people are saying that's kind of where it all started, but Kern and, and rap were going back and forth. Like they were right on each other's tail into the last lap. And that's where everything really fell apart. There was some contact and it just continued on through the last couple of uh, corners. And yeah, what a kind of tough. Yeah. Especially, too, like, tr- I think there were truggies, right? They I mean, were, yeah, nitro truggies. Nitro truggies are no joke. Like, I I love watching truggies. I don't have a truggy, but, like, they, I've marshaled truggies, and I've gotten hit with them in the ankles, and, like, I've gotten hurt from truggies, you know what I mean? Not on purpose, but, like, I've probably gotten hit in the shin or the leg probably three or four times in my career, and, you know... They're they're toys, but they're not at the same time. You know, I mean, like, right? Yeah, are <laughs> no joke. Like, they're they're nine pound missiles. <laughs> and if you're if you're if you're coming in hot to into the pit road and there's people standing there, that's kind of on you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Kind of raw. So, yeah, that's kind of that's my feelings on that. Yeah, I'd be that guy out there marshalling them that would be wearing like hockey shin knee guards. Yeah. And, like, hockey gloves. <laughs> well, it's funny. This one race last year I was at, I was marshalling a truckie race. And I got hit. It was, a, it was like, the practice. They're, they're practicing. And it was, like, I was marshalling right after a triple. And one truckie hit me in one, in the right shin. And then another truckie came by. And, and I was, like like limping and probably saying a few words I shouldn't have been saying. And then like 30 seconds later, another one hit me in the left shin and I'm like, 
are you kidding? <laughs> I was just like, everyone's laughing. I was laughing. I was like, man. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, they're they're dangerous things. Like they're heavy, and there's a lot of momentum and mass. And but you just got to be careful with them. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I know when when the four wheel drive buggies were super super popular last year, and we had a bunch of them out there, and you know they're they're like angry pissed off wasps when they're on a a smaller track and there isn't really a lot of room for any mistakes and you know kids always love to volunteer marshall and i I still remember the race director that day going saying nope no kids for this race i need every adult that's available there's no kids to marshall this race exactly and that's a 10 scale four-wheel drive buggy never mind these truggies that you know are are massive but yeah i was just kind of interested what your what your thoughts were on a couple of things like that it's always it's always interesting to talk to somebody else that has a bit of a different perspective on it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess you know if you if you if you bump somebody, give it back, and you know, and just try to be respectful of your other racers, and you'll be good. You know, I've you know I've gotten tangled up with people before, and it hasn't gone my way sometimes, and but you know I just grin it, grin and bear it, and move on, and look forward to the next race you know yeah yeah for sure for sure so eric do you have anything that you want to ask me or talk about uh i want to know more about how close you are to the uh big big giveaway oh the big giveaway everybody actually knows what the big giveaway is now oh they do yes i've talked about it more than once and uh we are just over 900 likes so we are within a hundred of a thousand. Um, the road to a thousand is almost here. Yep, yep. So we're doing a small giveaway at uh, nine hundred and fifty uh, with Rick Seffrude from Gombanana Racing Skins. He wants to give a set of foam tires away, as well as a T-shirt. So once we uh, once we hit nine fifty, we're going to do that, and then once we hit a thousand, um, that 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 truck over there has gotten actually a little better since the last time we talked it's it's getting a custom paint job by matt hawkinson over at matt, uh, mh designs oh cool yeah it's got an mks hbl 380 servo in it for steering it has a tekin uh, fxr uh, brushed esc and a 45 turn uh, hd brushed motor it also has a light kit uh, one of the rigid light kits from Axial that you kind of get to build yourself. Um, so yeah. it's got that. Uh, a, a listener of the podcast, believe this or not, reached out to me yesterday and is sending a Warren winch and wireless controller for it. This thing's going to be tricked out. Man. Right. Uh, Axial also sent a, a radio and receiver for it. Max Amps is providing a battery uh, to the winner. Heath over a cow RC, he's going to send the winner um, some magnetic pit mats to help with working on it. Um, what else am I missing? What did I miss? I'll throw in a, uh, I'll throw in a diff station too. Yeah, see, winner. Viking Design Works throwing a diff station. I remember you saying that before, so I had been pimping out there that you're going to throw something in too. Yeah. Um, so no I, I think I think that about covers everything. Of course, the NBM podcast donated the the kit to the cause. Um, and I'm super excited to give this away to somebody when we hit a thousand likes. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Just, I get such a, a smirk on my face and a smile on my face. Every time I think about putting it in a box, shipping it to the winner and that person getting it. It's just, it's, yeah. I, I can't wait. 
No, that's super cool of you to do, and it's super cool the other companies to, to pitch in and make that happen. Like, you're going to really make somebody's day. Well, and that's, that's at the end of the day, that's going to be what, it, what, it's, what it's all about. And, uh, yeah, I, I have to say thanks to everybody involved that's given product to, to put into this truck to give away. And, um, yeah, like I said, that, I'm still I'm floored at the support that I get from the RC community. And, uh, you know, I, I owe so much to so many for the support and, and for just putting themselves behind me in the podcast. And, of course, yourself, Eric, thank you for, for sending something uh, for the giveaway too, because you know when they got to tear it apart and work on it, now they're going to have something to hold all the stuff. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I'm more than happy to, to donate it for sure. And that's what's cool about the hobby. It's like, you know, we've talked about that before. Like, you meet people you never thought you'd ever meet, and you travel to places you've never, you know, you never think you'd ever go. And everyone's super nice. And you know, I use the example of the, when I came back finally to race at this Glenwood track, like the first night out, my ready to run SE 10 took a dump and, you know, Ron and Tyler Childs, this father son team just took my truck and put a millennium system in it. And we're, you know, they're like, Oh, you're not done yet. Like you're still going to race tonight. And I was like, what? you know, and it's just like, you meet the nicest people in the sport or in the hobby. And, you know, it's just, it's such a great, great thing you know i'm glad i found it and i'm glad it's a part of my life yeah 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 no i know what you're yeah it's it's yeah lost for words with it that's just that's yeah there's no way to describe it i know you feel oh yeah like i said i just (laughs) dumbfounded by the whole thing it's just it's it's incredible yeah it's it's yeah. yeah But you're right. I, I never would have told if you would have told me four years ago when I first started racing RCs, five years ago now when I started racing RCs and like you know, I was running an SC ten RS and I wanted to race in the thirteen five blinky class, so you know, I made sure I made arrangements with somebody. Funny enough, another fellow Canadian that is now a US citizen, uh, because his wife is is American. He was coming up to the race from Gaylord. He's like, yeah, I got a Mama Max Pro that'll sell you for real cheap. It's, you know, it's a good little ESC, but, you know, I don't use it anymore. I bought it off of him. I put it in my truck, you know. I went out and raced. Well, sure enough, I shredded the servo the the first race day with it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where it all started, you know. New servo in it the next time out. And then my my <clears throat> love affair with Tekken started shortly after that because I got one of the Gen 2 um Redline motors, thirteen five that I put in it, and yeah, man, it's just it's taking me so many places, you know. Like, I, I co-host a podcast with Tim Smith, like with Tim Smith. Yeah, I mean like, that's he's a legend. You know like, what I mean, like, like really, like, like the guy. Yeah. I was I was talking to him like we were doing a podcast when he said to him, Matt, I'm going to be on a TV show. And at first I was like, oh, okay, there's there's no way somebody must be playing a practical joke on him. And now we hear here we are fast forward, and the White Rabbit Project's on Netflix, and there's Tim Smith. Yeah, isn't that cool? Like, blows my mind, man. Yeah, and and that for me is one of the coolest things to say. Is like, okay, have you seen that new show? that the people from Mythbusters are doing on Netflix. Oh yeah. Yeah. I watched it. I'm like, did you watch the last episode? 
well, I don't know. There was an RC car in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched that one. I'm like, yeah, that guy. I do a podcast with that guy. Yeah, it's cool to say. <laughs> right? Like, and, and, you know, I'll tell you the story. And I've said it a couple of times. So I'm sure some people are like, oh, God, here we go with this story again. I remember when I was sitting in my pickup truck waiting to pick up my, my kids from school. And I got a message from Tim. And this was before I knew who he was. I, like, I knew who Tim was, but it didn't occur to me when I got this Facebook message from a Tim Smith. Yeah. And I said to him, uh, he goes, he goes, hey, he goes, uh, he goes, I'd love to be on your show sometime so we can talk, like, to talk RC with you. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, what do you do in RC? <laughs> <laughs> I'm such an idiot. And then, so he, he sent me a couple of the YouTube links, and I clicked on one, and I remember watching it a long time ago. And I went, holy crap. Oh, you're that guy. <laughs> I just asked this guy what he does in RC. I'm an idiot. But, you know, fast forward, here we are, you know, two and a half years later, and I've learned so much. Um, doing the show with him has broadened my uh, love of RC so greatly. You know, uh, I would have never have thought about RC drag racing a year and a half ago, and now it's one of those things that I want to start here locally. And even if it's just me with a bunch of people with all kinds of different cars just running on a Traxxas timing system, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's it's something that in the summer I can find to do and find other people that want to do it too. So, yeah. If you just start, you know, just start off grassroots, get out there, have some fun, just run, just run some times and go from there, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll, you know, It'll just grow from there, and maybe you'll be onto something big up there. Well, you never know. It, w- it would be cool. Um, like I was saying to Tim, my my end goal is is to, over the next like two, three years, uh, get my feet really wet into RC drag racing, um, and then uh, the RC DRL puts on what's coming up in June, I think in like two weeks, the um, Texas Nationals. Yeah. It's like a three-day event. And I was kind of saying to Tim, that's that's kind of like the bucket list race that I would love to attend. Because I, I feel that with enough practice and enough determination behind it, I think I could do pretty good at drag racing. Yeah. Because I have that little knack for the, the small little tinkering that, that would make that better for me. Yeah. I, I know I could probably do really good at on-road racing because there's no jumps. And once I figure out a track layout the jumps are where I have all my problems. I don't fall apart in the corners half the time. I don't fall apart in the high speed sweepers. I fall apart when it comes to taking off of the ground and having to land on it. (laughs) And for the most part, the taking off is never the problem. It's the landing that becomes the problem. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Same issue, my friend. (laughs) Oh, I'm not the only one. Interesting. (laughs) Well, it would be, you know, it'd be kind of cool if you could take your uh, podcast on the road with you, if you, you know, went to that race or, uh, you know, any other, you plan, you travel at all down like the big races or anything like that down. I I have not been to any of the really big races. There's been some conversation between my wife and I about, uh, trying to attend something like the psycho nitro blast, um, or or something along those lines that the issue is, is I don't really have an eight scale, uh, program up and running. So for me to go to a race similar to that, it's, it's going to be a large investment. Yeah. So it, it there has been conversation about doing it, about going to, to a large scale event. Um, I would love to work a little bit more on my race directing skills and even 
uh, go to a large scale event and help out race direct with somebody who's really proficient at it. Yeah. You know, really it's something that I feel that, you know, like I love racing. I really do. But for whatever reason, being involved with the running of races tends to do it for me too. Uh, I, I, I tend to really enjoy running races. Like, you know, there's been thoughts in the back of my head that I would love to put on a race event here locally, but the problem is I don't have any equipment. Uh, the local, the local club has equipment and I feel that unfortunately because of my position with them and things that have happened over the last few years between the, the current president and a very close friend of mine have made things so uncomfortable that I would never be able to say to the club, Hey, let me borrow the equipment to put on this event and the proceeds can go to the club for all I care. I just want to put on an event, me, run it. You know. I wonder um, if you could, uh, can you announce VRC races at all? I have no idea, to be honest with you. I would think. That might be another. <laughs> I would think. Yeah, maybe you could look into that too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll have to take a peek into that. But yeah, so those are, those are some of the things that I'd like to do. Um, I need to get a little bit more of a portable unit, like a, a portable recorder that I can kind of take with me to, 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 to kind of do the podcast on the road. I've used my yeah. phone uh, when I was in Las Vegas. I did a brief interview uh, with Eddie uh, at RC Tracks of Las Vegas uh, when I went there and got to run my 10-scale uh, buggy, which I now believe RC Tracks of Las Vegas has a turf track for their 10-scale track. Oh, right on. Yeah. That's great. Um, I'm not going to lie, Eric, if you've never been there, that is one of those tracks that you need to put on your list of tracks to go to. Yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You need to visit that facility. It is, it is next level. Like, wow, is all I can say. Yeah. I'd love to take a West coast trip. I mean, my best friend lives at, uh, Long Beach, so he's not too far from, you know, OCRC and whatnot, and. I always thought it'd be really cool to take like a West Coast trip out to like see Vegas and OCRC and all the big, you know, famous tracks out that way. It would be really cool. So you're you're saying definitely uh, hit up uh, RC Tracks Las Vegas, huh? Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. And I'm right there with you with OCRC. That that's another one of those. I, I have to get to that. Tra- I hope I can just get to that track before something ever happens and it either isn't there anymore or closes or whatever. Um, not yeah, saying that that would ever happen or is in their future, but with the yeah. industry, you never know. Things change so quickly. Exactly. And it just has such a legacy, that track. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I would love it. I'd love to bring my e-buggy for RC Tracks Las Vegas and my 10-scale stuff for OCRC for sure. Yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's That's one thing where... Like again, I didn't really have an eight scale platform, so I knew when I was going to Las Vegas, me and my wife, like we went to celebrate our ten year wedding anniversary and kind of have our real official honeymoon because, like I said, we were we were twenty. She was twenty two. I was twenty one when we got married. Yeah, and uh, you know we were both really concerned with working and you know having a home and providing for our newborn daughter who was only a year old at the time. So you you know what I mean. We really didn't put ourselves before anything. Yeah. So we finally uh, went a few like two years ago to Vegas with a bunch of friends, and you know all my fr- all the friends we went with went. Are you seriously going to go to an RC track for the day? And I looked at them all and said, "You damn right I am." <laughs> Are you, I, I, I would be yeah. in care about the airport, <laughs> right? I, like I said to them, I said, I'd be an idiot if I didn't go to this track. 
being as much into RC as I am and being this close to it. Yeah. So, and it's still one of those things that I've never, never, not for one second regretted. Although I did start passing this kidney stone on that day. So it was pretty miserable. Uh, my back was sore more than anything. I thought I pulled something, but no, it wasn't so much. And it was 109 out, dude. Oh man, forget it. But it wasn't that bad. Like it was hot, but it wasn't that bad. Right. It's a dry heat. It's not like a, a humid heat. Yeah. Yeah. It it was worth every minute of it. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I suggest it to anybody that if you're going West coast, you're going to be in, in, in the Vegas area, you need, and you're into RC in any way, shape or form, you need to stop by there. Um, and like I said, I told you, I mean, cause we get so much snow this way, you kind of get cabin fever. So maybe I'll plan a trip in, uh, January, February time or something. Oh yeah. See, that'd be a perfect time to go. Yeah. When you open up the door and there's four feet of snow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Ugh. I like so. the snow though. I hate working in the snow. Cause like I work, I work for a fruit food service company. So obviously I'm, I work outdoors. Like I, I yeah. drive the truck around, but I have to get out of it a lot and deliver food out of the tra- trailer. <laughs> yeah. So I love the winter. I just hate working in it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't mind it too much myself. I like driving in it, but <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you just went to a rally event this past weekend, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I was just down at a uh, STPR Susquehanna Trail Performance Rally. It's down in uh, uh, Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. It's one of the longest running uh, rallies in North America, actually. So I go every year, and it's it's a blast. It's so cool to watch the cars and hang out with friends and meet new people it's just it's just super fun right on yeah, yeah. I, w- I was watching some of your posts from there and and yeah uh, i saw you a couple of them yeah i'm not gonna lie when you walk by those subarus that were just sitting there burbling along burbling along, i'm like oh man oh it's crazy i mean what i like about rally is like you know i have friends that have some grassroots type teams that, you know, they're doing it out of, you know, they're privateers and it just kind of carries over to like, it's kind of like our seat, right? I mean, you got the factory guys that are well taken care of. They show up, they got all the equipment, you know, and then you got the guys there on their own dime, you know, with their own hard earned money, just trying to make it work and, you know, just happy to be there and, and battling, you know? So yeah, it's kind of the, rally you know i mean rally is expensive no matter which way you stick at it same with rc but i mean it's just cool it's a i've always liked rally and it's one of my other hobbies and it's cool to be a part of that whole scene too yeah yeah no i could i can only imagine um that's the one thing i keep saying to my wife like when sometimes when she looks at me and i say hey i want to go to this race in this state or Hey, I want to go this one and that. And, and she kind of gives me that look and I look at her and be like, trust me, my lovely, lovely, beautiful wife. This is the much, much cheaper alternative to what I'd rather be doing. <laughs> yeah. Could be doing worse things, I suppose. Well, if, if I could, I would love to either, um, race like a, like a dirt late model or something like that or drag race. Yeah. Those are the two things that, that I would much, much love to be able to do, but I just know that with the kind of person I am, um, 
it would be in the garage more often than it would be on the track because of I'd want everything that's really, really expensive. <laughs> yeah, you want everything to be perfect. Too, yeah, right? yeah. Way your style. I hear that for sure. But uh, yeah, so, it's very exciting. Thing is cool, no matter which way you shake at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. So for 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 me, it's the RC. RC is affordable, even though it seems really ridiculously expensive, but. Yeah, that was the other thing, too, is when I got into RC, you know, you break an A-arm, and you're like, oh, it's five bucks, you know, and it's like, you break an A-arm on a streetcar, it's more than five bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. RC is so, great. You know, the cheapest replacement part could only cost you, like, a buck fifty two dollars but you end up spending yeah. thousands for some reason. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I, you know, this is the thing, too, is, like, for me, I'm such a tinkerer, like, Everything you can you can there's more adjustments on like an RC car than there is like a full race car. You know, I mean, we know all the you know the caster camber toe, shock oil springs, up positions. Like it's just it's so fascinating to me that these little toy like not toys but these little machines have so much potential and dynamic changes in them. You know, it's just I love it. I love everything about it. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. That's definitely something we we definitely share in common. So at this point, I want to say, Eric, thank you so much for coming on the MBM podcast. I don't want to keep you much too longer. Um, We've been at this for a a little over an hour and a half. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I know, right? Time flies. (laughs) And that's the the one thing I like about doing this is sometimes you get talking and and things go so quickly. Yeah. and yeah, like I said, thank you very much for coming on the show. And of course I'll give you this opportunity to go ahead and thank anybody that you want to thank in RC or in general. Yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate the, uh, MBM podcast being interested in Viking and, uh, giving me the opportunity to come on the show and have, have a few words. And, uh, you know, I, anyone that's interested in, uh, any of the products, you can check us out at, uh, vikingdesignworks.com. Um, you can go there to the speed shop and browse our uh, products. And uh, you know, I'm just happy to happy to be around and happy that people like our stuff. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to say give a quick shout out to the local tracks here, uh, RNL Hobbies up in North Tonawanda, New York, uh, making tracks RC just south of Rochester. Uh, Rock RC is another track out in your, uh, uh, it's actually in downtown Rochester. It's an indoor carpet track. So oh. you know, support your local tracks, support your local hobby shops. And uh, Field Hobby is our, our local hobby shop here. And uh, also want to say thanks to uh, Jake Concepts. They're uh, one of my sponsors. And um, say hi to my, uh, friends and family that might be listening and thank you all for uh supporting right on good old j concepts mr mr rona himself over there that's right still gonna have that guy on i've talked to him a couple times and every time we say yeah he says yeah i'll come on and then i never get back a hold of him (laughs) oh yeah but yeah so so thank you very much, then, Eric, for coming on. And uh, at this point, we'll say goodbye to everybody, and thanks for listening. 
I'll be back hopefully in a week or two with another episode for you guys. Of course, make sure you go over and you check out Gone Banana Racing Skins, Rick Seffrood over there. He makes foam tires for pretty much anything, speed runs, uh, indoor carpet racing. If you haven't tried a set of his foam tires on indoor carpet yet, off-road, you need to get a hold of them and get a set for your buggy, whether two four-wheel drive, stadium truck, short course truck, whatever you got, get a hold of him. He can get something for you. Uh, of course, thanks to Heath over at CowRC. Heath, you have been more than gracious to me. I appreciate it very much. Thomas over at MKS Servos, thank you very much. And cannot forget about Josh over at Max Amps. Uh, thanks to you guys for supporting me in this crazy little podcast I do. And, of course, like I said at the beginning of the show, this show has been brought to you. Uh, the, the studios have been brought to you by Team Tekin. Uh, of course, thanks to Randy and, and Jim over at uh, Tekin for, for all the support as well. I think that's it. So we'll uh, say goodbye to everybody now, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks again. (laughs) Bye, everybody.
Thank you.
change. Thank you.